that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy National Signing Day to you uh, here on 1450 The Sports Club. I, uh, a road edition of National Signing Day here on 1450 The Sports Club as I'm coming live uh, on I-64. It's been absolutely just a, a swamp day. I had to get up around 6, go to Lexington, um, and really have been on the computer and typing and doing this and that nonstop until now and, and even had to make some phone calls on, on the way home that are work-related. That's National Signing Day for you. It's busy. Uh, and even though I, I focus on basketball recruiting, all hands on deck for football. And, and what a crazy day it was for UK football in the past week. And I'll be the first to admit it. it I haven't been the most optimistic when it comes to UK football recruiting. Uh, and I would go as far as saying pretty pessimistic about, about this class and all the decommitments. And I, I think there's a total. there was a total of eight decommitments. And they missed Damian Harris. And I noted all those negative things, and, and at no point did I see UK finishing as strong as they did. Now, I talked about some hypotheticals and about how Kentucky fans should take a step back. If they can finish top 40, uh, then, you know, it's not ideal. And it, it is a, hypothetically, a, a down recruiting class. But top 40 would still be one of the better classes in UK football history. Uh, where we stand right now, Kentucky number 34 in arrivals. Now, that could still change and some things could shake, and, and they, they could drop back maybe a spot or two. That, But to be in the top 35 in a class that UK football fans are considering a, a down year in recruiting with all the ups and downs UK football recruiting has had, uh, especially in the past month, and especially missing out on Damian Harris, a target that UK went all in on and, and missed just down the road from Lexington. To have all those bad things and momentum stoppers, to have all that happen and to still be a top 35 class, I, I think it speaks volumes to the job that Mark Stutes has done at Kentucky. Uh, I think it says a lot about the direction that the program's heading. And Again, even though if UK were to finish 34, uh, that's not as good as last year. It's I, I don't think it's as good as Mark Stoops' first year. I'd have to look that up. Again, I'm in the car. But it shows that expectations have already changed. And, and Mark Stoops and Shannon Dawson and DJ Elliott and Vince Barrow, uh, all those guys spoke with the media today and then even the other position coaches. Uh, and even some players spoke to the media. So, I'll talk about some of what they had to say and, and why UK football fans should be feeling good today. Uh, for comparison's sake, and again, I you know I don't want to compare the two classes in, in terms of you know for for smack talk purposes, but Louisville had a had a good class and they really did have a good class. I got I got a lot of guys that are going to compete, won some battles against some big schools. There was a few guys today that. We're deciding between Florida and Louisville and Auburn and Louisville, and Louisville is able to get them to stay committed and, and sign, which is very impressive. But for comparison's sake, a, a good Louisville class, and again, it is a good class, that, that has uh, several more players in UK's 23-man class, 
you know, had UK had the same amount of commits as Louisville, I think he would certainly move up in the rankings. Uh, but Louisville's number 32, Kentucky number 34. So they really closed, UK really closed the gap over the past few weeks, really finished strong, had some surprise commitments today. And we're going to talk about all that uh, on today's show, National Signing Day. And we're going to have best in the business, Justin Rowland, who has been up since 4 a.m. And he didn't go to bed early last night either. But up at 4 a.m., has been working, been on the phone lines, talking to recruits, talking to coaches, seeing who's going to go where, not just for Kentucky's website, but for North Carolina, for Boston College. He's been doing it uh, all over all over the country. He's going to join us, uh, and his time is extremely valuable today, so I'm very thankful for him to do that uh, in the second segment. Now, the plan is, and you know how plans go on the sports soccer, the plan is to be able to do that segment from uh, the apartment and be able to get that on Skype so it'll sound a little bit better for you. But that being said, I can't control traffic. I'm not going to drive like a wild man. Uh, safety comes first. And as you all know, I, well, maybe you don't know, but you'll know now, uh, coming from a hands-free device in the car uh, because, again, safety first, which kind of brings me to a, a side point. In Lexington, at a stoplight, I was uh, just at a red light stop. I was putting on music for the ride home. I didn't get to listen to much of it because I was on the phone for, uh, for a little bit of it. But I uh, put on music. Some guy honked over next to me. Uh, and he rolled down his window, but I didn't roll down my window because I saw what he was trying to say. He was basically yelling at me to get off my phone. Uh, I kind of felt the need to, again, all I was doing was putting on music. Uh, and we were at a stoplight. It's not like we were driving. I, I, I wanted to kind of yell back at him, but... His head was in the right, in the right place. Um, safer roads or, or better roads, but I, I've never seen a person do that before. Um, anyways, as I'm on my way home. So, Yates, how are you today? It is a Wednesday. Doing well, TJ. Keeping up with all the National Signing Day craziness. Oh, of course. I know you're not super big on recruiting, but it, it is a, a wild day. Last year. Rivals uh, network had crashed for a little bit, and, and including the team pages uh, for for a short amount of time. This year, I, I think the homepage again. And I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of clicks and people on the website at one time. I think this year the rivals homepage went down for maybe just a minute or two. They were very quick about getting it fixed back up. Cap Illustrated, our page itself never went down, so that was good news. Um, but it, it, people are just absolutely consumed about this stuff and, and the future of their football programs. And uh, I, I'm happy as a basketball recruiting analyst that there isn't the equivalent of this day for basketball recruiting. There is a there is National Signing Day for basketball. There's fall and spring period, but it's never as crazy as this. You might have some surprises here and there, but it's not like this all across the country. And there has been tons uh, tons of craziness throughout. Uh, in terms of uh, one player, one of the top players in the country, committed to a school, signed two letters of intent, one to one school, one to another school, and, and neither one was faxed for a while. So when the school he committed to was wondering, hey, why haven't we gotten that letter of intent yet? Because you know, a coach can't talk about a player until they receive that. Uh, there was some craziness on what happened to that, so we'll talk more about that later. Kentucky also played Georgia last night. They uh, took on the dogs of Rupp Arena. It started 
it was a very familiar game for Kentucky. They started out hot. Offense looked in rhythm. Things were going well. Uh, players looked involved. And then all of a sudden, like we've seen probably too many times for this Kentucky team, they hit a wall. And maybe it was the big lead. Maybe it was, hey, things are going our way. Uh, we're playing well. Whatever it was, the Cats put Georgia back into the game and, and to a point where they only had a five-point lead uh, with around two minutes to go, and Georgia had the ball. Well, that, that, that could have turned into a two-point game, could have been a three-point game, and Georgia could have had a real chance to maybe make things uh, incredibly interesting, more interesting than they were. So we're going to talk about that, too. Uh, well, uh, Trey Lyles was out. Kentucky gets pounded on the boards by Georgia. John Calipari cited that to Trey Lyles not playing, and that's, I'm sure that had something to do with it. But even then, you shouldn't be out-rebounded by Georgia by double-digit margins at home just because one of your small forwards, and it is a big small forward, all things granted, just because one of your small forwards is out. So is that alarming for UK? Uh, we will talk about that also. Uh, PT picks of the day, I know, uh, Brun DMC have tweeted it and doesn't like me to review these while uh, in the first segment. We went one one yesterday. Uh, one and one, I guess, rather. Not one of one. One and one. Uh, hit, hit the IU over and missed out on Florida versus Vanderbilt, which was an interesting night of college basketball last night. Florida's all but done. Uh, there were some reporters, some national reporters at the, at the Kentucky game against Alabama, and, and, and they were talking about how all Florida had to do was get hot, not necessarily win out, not necessarily finish, uh, you know, get a win against UK, but had to just be consistent, get a lot of wins, and they felt that Florida be able to sneak into the tournament because they played such a tough schedule, which they did, but they're done. Uh, there's a, I think making the NIT should be their goal now because not a great record, a lot of losses, and last night's road loss to Vanderbilt, I think, sealed their fate uh, to an extent. Louisville gets a huge win over Miami, a game that Louisville went wire to wire and was able to take some some shots from Miami when Miami seemed to have a lot of momentum and were able to, to close the gap. Louisville still hung tough, hang tough. Uh, and, and, and took Miami's best shot on the road and still got the win. So I, I think it might be safe to say Louisville is better from uh, better from the KFC Yum Center, which is weird to say. You know, maybe Kentucky's better than from from Rupp Arena too. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. There's no there's no way around why that why that would be the case. But Louisville played great, uh, only having. No bench points even, uh, but again, Terry Rozier and Chris Jones are on a tear. Wayne Blackshear had a had a solid game, and Montrose Harold did his thing, uh, even even though he was injured twice, uh, stayed in the game and, and didn't really miss a beat. So, a big game from Louisville, big win from Louisville, momentum building win, and, and I do think that you you have Louisville, Duke, Virginia as the teams that are really have a have a shot of winning the ACC. Uh, and it's going to be a fun conference to watch. We'll talk more about college basketball and then get some more picks of the day pick, uh, later in the later in the show. Again, 
Uh, I know the quality coming through your radio right now probably isn't as good as you're used to, uh, and I do apologize for that, but it's a busy day, and we had to make do with what we have, so we are doing the first segment on phone. The second segment uh, we will be doing via, hopefully via Skype and, and have Justin rolling on for that, uh, and it will hopefully sound good, and we'll talk a lot of football recruiting. It is Wednesday, which means Ask Gates Wednesday. Yates, are you excited about your favorite day of the week? Always. We'll have to get your questions in, and although right now I can't read your tweets, I, I do want to hear what you have to say, so send them in. I'll get to them when I can. Uh, maybe even read some to Justin Rowland if, if, if there's uh, some football recruiting questions. But, again, that, that's the topic of the day around the country and even in Kentucky. Even though it's basketball season, Kentucky's got the number one team in the country. They're halfway through an undefeated season, halfway through undefeated in SEC play. It's football, and again, this hasn't always been the case. UK's recruiting class is going to finish uh, with a a lot of uh, a few ups and a lot of downs, but it's still going to be historically one of the better recruiting classes in UK football history. Uh, one of the big surprises today came late, and, and it was last, and it's a really interesting one, and I'm going to talk about it now, and we're probably going to ask Justin Rowland about it a little bit, as well, but Alvante Bell, a defensive end that went to JUCO, uh, was a JUCO, uh, and from he went to Pearl River Community College, uh, but he's from Florida originally. Had originally committed to Kentucky a, a few years back under Joker Phillips, actually. And, and this was a guy when he committed under Joker Phillips. And he's a defensive end. Uh, he had offers from Notre Dame, Louisville, Florida. Florida State was recruiting him. Uh, you know, he could have really went a lot of places and had his choice to play. And, and at that time, he was one of Kentucky's bigger football commits ever, despite only being a three-star. Uh, his offer sheet was, was certainly better than a three-star offer sheet. So he goes, he doesn't qualify uh, for whatever reason, and he gets injured. Uh, and, and, and academically, he wasn't where he needed to be. So he went to the junior college. Not much uh, really heard about him after that. UK and Mark Stoops had said that they would honor his commitment, you know, if his grades were where they needed to be. And, uh, he, you know, he continued to work hard. But but after that, you didn't hear much about him and, and what he was able to do in junior college. And if you look at his stats, you can kind of see why. Uh, underwhelming stats. Uh, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I want to say he combined for maybe 26 tackles in two years which is, you know, not good. I think he, I think he had maybe 16 tackles uh, his, his second year of junior college, his sophomore season. Uh, only played eight games, but that's, again, a, a big-time player. Those aren't great numbers. So when, when I first heard that Kentucky had signed Avante Bell today, and, and again, this kind of came out of left field for me, uh, but I don't cover football recruiting on a day-to-day basis, I thought, well, that, that was great news. They're getting a, a guy that Kentucky had, had stolen from big schools years before. He, he's uh, athletic, a very athletic defensive end and a very active one. He's quick, he's fast, he can blow by guys. But then looking at his numbers, I started to wonder if, well, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a reason why you hadn't heard about him. He hasn't been very good. And maybe Kentucky was just playing nice by honoring his original commitment and they're just taking him, one, because they need some bodies, especially at that position, and two, again, because they were just honoring his commitment. 
So we asked Mark Stoops about that, and uh, they they said that he was injured a little bit his, his sophomore year. He was banged up during his time in junior college, uh, but they were happy that he didn't have any big years or, or really garnered a lot of attention for some of the big boys because they think they have a steal in Avante Bell. They think he's a guy that can come in and, and play right away. Uh, call it as they said that they've watched him all year, whether it's in practices or games or wherever it may be, and, and talked about how explosive he was. Uh, and I think Kentucky is ultimately going to be getting a, a good player here. I think the, he's got a ton, a ton of potential. And Kentucky's done a really good job with junior college, college players. Now, whether uh, that was Joker Phillips or even Rich Brooks, and uh, Mark Stoops has done well, too. Again, Darius Smith, just two years ago, was a junior college player uh, that, that had some big offers, had kind of had his choice to go where he wanted, decided to go with Kentucky, had a lot of potential. And we all know how it worked out for him. He, he, he was part of maybe the best defensive, not the best defensive line, but the best pair of defensive ends in the SEC or one of the best pairs of defensive ends in the SEC. And now he's going to be playing in, in Sundays. It's just a matter of where he gets drafted. So Kentucky does well with, with Jucos. And, and they, they have one in Avante Bell. And I think he's going to be one of the more interesting players to watch in uh, in this class, and they also have some transfers, uh, and we'll go through a lot more of this with Justin Rowland. Uh, Greg Hart and Courtney Love, Hart and Love, both transferred from Nebraska, both at Kentucky. We got to speak with them today uh, for National Signing Day. They, it, it seems like Greg Hart's going to have to sit out this year. He transferred from Nebraska, from Dayton, Ohio. He's moving closer to home. Uh, it seems like he's not going to get a hardship, or a hardship uh, waiver to be able and be eligible to play right away. But Courtney Love, a linebacker for Kentucky, I think you could see him play from from day one, not have to sit out because uh, he does have some fam- a family member that is sick that lives in Ohio. He's he's much closer to home now. I could see the NCAA allowing him to play, and if they do, Kentucky's really excited about that guy. So you do have some players in this class. Now, whether they're JUCOs or whether they're transfers, but even some freshmen, but Courtney Love's one of the transfers, that can come in right away and make an impact and play from day one. And and I know Kentucky's excited about those guys. Uh, And I do think, and and you hear coaches say this all the time, and, you know, you don't, what do you really expect them to say on National Signing Day? No coach is ever going to say, eh, well, this stunk, Uh, or, eh, we could have done better. Uh, but coaches a lot of times will say that a program got better today, and I, I think Kentucky really did. It might not, again, have all the sexy players that classes past have had, uh, but it, it, it is it's big. It's a long class. They, Kentucky uh, addressed positions of need. They, they got some tight ends. They got some linebackers, got some defensive end, and got some wide receivers and got some cornerbacks, uh, all positions where Kentucky needed some help. And the wide receivers and the cornerbacks are long and tall, and unlike really anything Kentucky's seen for the most part, or at least consistently. So I'm very curious to see how some of those guys play out, and we'll talk to Justin about that. But one more note before we, we go to commercial uh, was a question that I asked Clark Stoops, and some people didn't like it. I, I my, One of my buddies that writes for another website showed me a message board and it said that whoever asked him to be slapped, 
Um, I, I get that some UK fans are just over Damien Harris and never want to hear his name again. But I was curious to, to see what Mark Stoops, what he felt about that situation, if he felt that they had a good chance to to land him and, and what their plan was after he decided to go elsewhere. Because what do you do when you invest so much time in a recruitment and really, really think that you have them and have an unbelievable relationship where uh, to a point where the prospect visits you week after week and then decides to go elsewhere. I, I think it's a unique situation. So I was curious what Mark Stoops had to say. And again, I, I know Kentucky fans are sick of hearing about him uh, and, and that I can understand. But I think this answer was a big win for Mark Stoops and, and, and something that if recruits, potential recruits or potential recruits' parents heard him say, I think they'd feel a lot better about uh, him as a, as a person leading a program. But when I asked him, he said that he, he, he basically stopped me before I finished and said that uh, he's unbelievably happy for Damian Harris. Damian Harris is a great person. He really got to enjoy getting to know Damien Harris and his family, enjoyed being around him, enjoyed having him on campus, talked about how good of a player he was, how good of an athlete, how, how great he'll be at Alabama. So he was, you know, unfortunate they missed out. They, he wished he was there, but wished him nothing but the best. And, and Kentucky is uh, now focused on the guys that they do have and, and the players that uh, wanted to be a part of Kentucky's program and, and basically put no blame on Damien Harris. Uh, you know, said it hurt to lose him, but he understood the decision. And really just an all-class answer for Mark Stoops, and it, it was, honestly, it was a little refreshing to see. Now, I didn't think he was going to say anything negative about Damian Harris, but he certainly didn't have to be that positive. And, and with that, Kentucky was able to get another running back, Sahin King, uh, who the staff absolutely seemed bonkers about. Um, we'll talk more about him with Justin Rowland. So we're going to head to our commercial break. When we come back, Roland will be on. Uh, hopefully, we'll be on Skype and all that good stuff. So stick around here on 1450 Sportsbook. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450 Sports Buzz. And what a, I, I feel like a five-star prospect being able to do everything I just did there in the last four minutes. I park, I go inside, set my computer up, call, get on Skype, get a hold of 1450 in Yates, get that set up, let my dog out, let my dog back in. Find out I don't have a charger, my battery's on 5%, run outside, get that, get everything hooked up, and get back in time for, for this interview with Justin Rowland. Uh, the craziness never stops on, on National Signing Day, and nobody knows that better than Rowland himself. Justin, how are you? I'm doing well, man. We're hanging in there. It's a uh, good way through the afternoon, and we're still, we're still going strong, so that's a good sign. How many cups of coffee are you on today? Yeah, that's a that's kind of an embarrassing question because the number is always high. And today we started at 4, 4 a.m. So I think, you know, if you count espresso as a cup, I think we're probably on the seventh or eighth serving. 
Jeez, that's uh, I, I don't blame you. And you've got a tough job, and today's the the Super Bowl uh, of that job. Uh, and I, all week and last week, yeah, or uh, Roland Justin uh, Rivals.com. I've been kind of talking about how this isn't great news for Kentucky. It seems that the the class isn't going to finish strong. The re, the momentum they had recruiting uh, seemed to die out. But after after today and some of the surprises and some of the guys that they were able to land there in the uh, in the last 48, 72 hours, what's the vibe you're getting from UK coaches and, and UK's program about where they stand right now in, in terms of momentum and uh, and how they feel about this class? Well, the coaches are always gonna they're always gonna be upbeat. You know, that's their that's their job, that's their livelihood. They. Uh, it's their job to exude optimism and and sort of the vibe that everything's good and you know I think I think the situation certainly is less dire than it was 72 hours ago and the mood is certainly better and some of that is orchestrated and some of it is substance I think they did pretty well for themselves the last 48 hours all things considered obviously not ideal circumstances but. You know, when when you come down to the eve of signing day and you got a long way to go, I think they they could have done a lot worse than they did in these last twenty four to forty eight hours. And that that was kind of what I was uh, saying in the first segment is that based on everything, Kentucky's class likely to finish in the top thirty five, uh, maybe maybe just outside of it. I think right now they're at thirty four, if I if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's better than the Joker Phillips classes and and even I think all of the Rich Brooks classes. So historically, Mark Stoops and his staff are still getting it done. What was the biggest surprise for you, Justin? I know you, you cover this stuff 365, 24-7, so a lot of this might not come as a, as a surprise for you. But what, when you look back at this class, what's the biggest surprise commit for you? That's a really good question. Uh, I guess I'll go with Alvante Bell, uh, just because I hadn't really heard his name mentioned much. I hadn't heard some of these guys for a really long time. Allen, Josh Allen, the the Jack linebacker, maybe a project at the end. Uh, kind of that kind of materialized really quickly, but we knew that they were going to need somebody to step into that position, and either they were going to have a a depth problem on the defensive line, or they were going to get a surprise. And, you know, they got one, two surprises on signing day on the defensive line. Miggins looked to be leaning to Mississippi State. But Bell, I think, was a little bit more out of left field. I didn't I didn't see that one coming, and that was, that was a situation that I think everybody had kept pretty well under wraps, and I think for good reason. I'm not sure that it would have been a take if everything had, had worked out the way that they had planned it, but it's obviously – somebody that has the measurables, somebody that the staff liked in the past, and he's a couple of years older and wiser now. And that one was that one was a big surprise for me. Talking to some of the staff today uh, in Lexington, they seemed all uh, pretty excited about Saheem King, uh, and he kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, and Chad Scott was very honest by saying, hey, Damian Harris was option number one, and after that we didn't have a, a surefire backup plan, but we were able to get involved with this kid. And, and they all seemed enthusiastic and really uh, maybe a bit surprised that they were able to land such a talented kid in such a short amount of time. What can you tell us about King and his game and, and how he ended up as a Wildcat? Really interesting situation. He's a smaller guy, 5'8", 
172, give or take an inch, give or take 10 pounds. And obviously not very big, but dynamic athlete. He's got the speed to outrun everybody on the field. He can play in the slot. He can run outside the tackles. He can. He's a, he's a game breaker, and he's similar to some of the players that Dawson was probably familiar with at West Virginia. He obviously was familiar with King specifically at West Virginia. I think the fact that they they went in King's direction. You know, it's not surprising at all that they took a running back. They would have a, re- a real depth situation, I think, given Hurd and, and the loss of Harris and not getting another running back. They would have a real depth issue at running back this year had they not taken a running back. But the fact that they went with King, smaller, scat back, you know, kind of high-reward player, not a volume-carry guy, but a high-reward high explosion play guy uh, maybe signals I think a, a little difference in the philosophy between Neil Brown and Shannon Dawson I think at heart Neil Brown wants to swing the ball around he wants to have a wide open air raid offense certainly did at Texas Tech I think he threw the ball about 70 75 percent of the time on first down there but I think when the staff came in uh, they talked a lot about the air raid but realistically they didn't have a quarterback they didn't have the personnel at receiver and over time, I think they maybe started to buy into the narrative that they have to be a more conventional team with power elements in the running game. And that manifested itself in like a 50-50 run-pass split. And I know for a fact that there were some really dynamic scat-back all-purpose players of the last three classes that they passed on that I thought were really good players, the rationale being not big enough to play in the SEC. And I think Shannon Dawson is just not, as conservative uh, an offensive coordinator. I think he's going to be more willing to just sling it around. I think he's going to put smaller guys on the field if they can outrun people. And I think that that's kind of what's telling about King's commitment. And Shannon Dawson talking to the media today, uh, you know, he, he didn't look uncomfortable isn't the right word because I don't think he ever is truly uncomfortable. But he did talk about how he didn't really get to – have his hand in this recruiting class, and he's excited to be a part of the evaluation process next time, uh, next year, next time around. Uh, but he did, he did seem excited with the class. I think he likes having some of the bigger receivers. Uh, he liked having some of the the bigger tight ends and what they're able to do and how they're how they can go uh, vertical. And he wants to attack the middle of the field. It is a very big class when you talk about the wide receivers. Was that a was that a priority as far as you're concerned with UK trying to, to make their targets a bit bigger on offense? Yeah, absolutely. Going into this class, I was under the impression that they were going to take two bigger guys, and they ended up taking three bigger guys. You know, the kid from Miami, Thrill, and then Taven Richardson and Jabari Greenwood. So they ended up getting a little bit more size than I anticipated. And they did offer some spot receivers, some smaller guys like Ryan Davis, who committed to Auburn. Uh, so I don't think it was necessarily by design to get quite as much size as they had. But if you recall, they had Alex Dump as well, and he was six foot three. So size was a definite emphasis across the board in the passing game. Uh, you know, and if you look at the guys that they had this year, there was Blake Bone and Dorian Baker, who were bigger targets. But they didn't have a lot of receivers that were that were boxing guys out that were using their size to create matchup problems. They didn't have guys that were going over the middle of the field. They didn't have guys that consistently could make plays down the field on the sideline. You know, Garrett Johnson made some plays in the vertical passing game. Uh, but frankly, most of 
Blake Bone and Dorian Baker's production came, you know, within five, ten yards of the line of scrimmage. So they wanted big guys that could make make big plays down the field, and I think they uh, they certainly got that. You know, Taven Richardson's a little bit different than the other two. He's not as much of a home run hitter, I don't think. He might he might be more of a more of a first first down chain mover kind of guy, uh, but definitely a lot of size. It'll be interesting to see how Shannon Dawson manages all this. You know, you do have some big receivers, and you do also have some smaller ones, how he manages all this. We, we do have a question from one of the listeners, uh, Brun DMC, and he wants to know how accurate the star ratings are. Obviously, the, the big thing about the Super Bowl was uh, no five, I don't think it was any five stars in the game, and maybe only a few four stars. What, what do you make of the star rating system, and, and how often does rivals get it right in terms of of ranking players? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's a it's a really inexact science. You know, I'm I'm going to defend rivals, and I'll defend the the analysts. I wouldn't work for the company, and I wouldn't have for 13 years if I didn't if I didn't think that they knew what they were doing. Um, but you got to remember a couple things. First off, um, we have a limited amount of exposure to these players. You know, a lot of times their ranking is based on five minutes worth of film, and maybe two camp performances that one or two regional analysts were able to, to watch them at. So if a guy has a bad day or if, you know, a guy gets a lot better over six months or a lot bigger over six months, then, you know, we might not be privy to that level of information. Uh, it, there are all sorts of other variables, like the level of competition that somebody's playing against. It's tough to measure things like drive, desire, work ethic, uh, growth potential, that kind of thing. Um, I think... In some respects, schools maybe are able to do a little bit more research on these guys because they can get them into camps and they can really measure them and measure specific things about them. Uh, but, you know, you, you can find exceptions. You know, why did TCU have the season they had? Why did, why did Baylor have the season that they had? Oregon, you know, doesn't recruit, you know, at the level that they play at most years. They're, they're very selective, but they don't just throw out a lot of five-star offers. Um, but those are exceptions. The rule is the schools that recruit at the highest level generally perform at the highest level. You know, some schools perennially underachieve. Some schools every year seem to overachieve. But by and large, the schools that, that have the higher ranked classes perform at a higher level. It's also important to remember when you're breaking down these classes, I don't care whether you're talking about Florida State or Kentucky or Duke uh, 40 to 50% of your class is going to contribute at a high level in the course of their career. And, you know, probably about 50% of your class is just it's going to be a bust. Guys are just not going to pan out. So really only about half of your class, good coaches, bad coaches, great programs, poor programs, only about half your class is going to pan out. So that's something else to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think people forget that. And we're speaking with Justin Rowland, CatsIllustrated.com, Rivals.com, covers a couple different teams, and nobody's better than he is. Uh, and we've talked about this class and some of the players that stand out and that, that might be able to make an impact. But with having so many losses, and uh, who do you think is the biggest loss outside of Damian Harris? Obviously, when a five-star picks doesn't go to your school when he's just 20 minutes away, that's going to hurt for anybody, but especially Kentucky, a place that isn't too, uh, doesn't see too many five stars with serious interest. But who besides Damian Harris is, is Kentucky uh, kicking themselves for not being able to, to hold on to? Again, and Mark Stoops said, at the end of the day, we're going to recruit with the best. We're going to go toe-to-toe. We're not going to 
uh, back away from competition. Uh, sometimes we're going to win them. Sometimes we're going to lose them. Who was one that's, that, that really hurts that they, they lost out on? And I guess uh, who was a good one that they won that, that you know, maybe they, they shouldn't have uh, given the competition that they were going up against? question i would probably say the one that hurts the most would be would be really two would be the dowell twins um there are a number of reasons for that devon hamilton is an ohio kid that ohio state offered the same is true of alex stump and 95 times out of 100 ohio state's going to take that kid uh, when they're recruiting against kentucky or the vast majority of other programs so there's really nothing you can do about that it was outside of the coach's control jeremiah denson flipped to auburn a school that he already had a high opinion of, uh, an Auburn that had just hired Will Muschamp as their defensive coordinator. Really nothing they could have done about that. Darius Fullwood decommitted before kind of the bottom fell out the second half of the season, and I think he just wanted to be closer to home, and Virginia Tech offered that, so they really couldn't do anything about that. The Dowell Twins are a little bit different because, they A, they didn't tell anybody what they were doing. They kind of dumped this on the staff at the last minute. They're a very tight-lipped, kind of close-to-the-vest, um, small-circle family. And they, they didn't really give the staff a lot of time to recover, although I think they did admirably in, in putting together the, the secondary they did. And on top of that, Kentucky has recruited successfully against Michigan State since Mark Stutes got there. It's not like Kentucky's at Michigan State's level, so to speak, on the field yet. Of course not. You know, They, they won the Rose Bowl. They, they just beat Baylor in a big bowl. Uh, but they had recruited successfully against Michigan State, so it's not like they lost They lost these guys out to Ohio State or Alabama. So the fact that you're talking about two four-star defensive backs that had great senior seasons, great work ethic, they're winners, the fact that it was to Michigan State that it was so late and it was unexpected, I would say the Dowell Twins. Who, who was the biggest win that uh, – Given every uh, the, the stiff competition Kentucky went against, they were still able to hold on to a guy or land a guy. Who would that be, in your opinion, before we let you go? I would say Marcus Walker. I mean, I'm, I'm a Marcus Walker apologist for Lake Wales safety. I've always thought that he's one of the best, if not the best, long-term prospect in the class. He's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, Mark D'Antonio wanted him to play defensive back, and any time Mark D'Antonio recruits a defensive back, you, you got to assume that he can play because of his track record. Arkansas wanted him bad. Michigan State wanted him bad. Uh, Walker had decommitted previously, so the fact that Kentucky was able to get him back on board to send off those other, you know, very very reputable programs and to throw that through signing day and to get a great player in the program, I, I think was certainly, in my mind, the biggest win, the most impressive recruiting win of the class. There's no doubt that those offers were committable. There's no doubt that some great coaches of defensive football had a very high opinion of Walker. And Chad Scott did a great job of getting him back on board. Uh, and he's also got a, a fantastic last name. Uh, but, Justin, I know you're busy, and just you taking the time, I really appreciate Thank you so much for joining us. I know you still have some work yet to do today, but when you're done with all that, get some rest, and I re appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. Thanks, DJ. Have a good one. Thanks. That's Justin Rowland with CatsIllustrated.com, Rivals.com, a few different sites. Uh, the best in the business. We're going to head to a commercial break. We're going to come back one final segment here on National Signing Day, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around.
You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back. Final segment, National Signing Day. And again, I am very uh, appreciative of Roland being able to come on and talk National Signing Day to us. Run DMC made a joke how I started the second segment about how busy I was and how rushed I was going in and out of the house. And I had noted that I let the dog in and out, and he joked about that. But let me explain. I we At the apartment, we don't have a real backyard, so we put him on a chain, which I hate and I feel terrible about. Uh, but he... Uh, but I put him on the chain, went and did other stuff, and I had to debate whether or not I was going to leave him outside or bring him back in. I would have loved to leave him outside, and he would love that too. But people at the apartment complex don't like it. I don't know why. I don't know the ruling behind it. Uh, but So I, I was able to let him back in too after he went to the bathroom. Uh, so it was really – I'm impressed with what I was able to get done in that short amount of time. Um, is, we've talked enough. National Signing Day stuff for now. We'll, we'll, there'll be some nuts and bolts here over the next few days. Uh, but but let's let's get into the the real juicy stuff. Yates, let's let's play the Ask Yates Wednesday promo. It's now time for the word of the day. Gentlemen, let's broaden our mind. Teach me something new, man. I, I need to learn. With David Yates. My mind is a raging torrent. Flooded with rivulets of thought cascading into a waterfall of creative alternatives. All right. Uh, that just makes me happy. It's not the word of the day, but it is the Yates questions of the day. If you're new to the show, uh, Yates is the man that works the board. He brings us in and out of commercials, play the, plays the tunes, uh, does a lot of behind-the-scenes work, and is great at it. Uh, but he's got long hair. We don't really know too much about him. So we spend the last segment on Wednesdays getting to know him a little bit more. My first question to you, Yates, if you were a four-star, and this is going to be a hypothetical situation, a four-star, six-foot-three receiver, wide receiver, where would you go to college? <laughs> um, I probably would, would have to go to Louisville. I mean, I've just... I've grown up a Louisville fan, and if the if it was, you know, I don't know. I I'll say I'll, no matter when it was, I'll say Louisville. I was going to say that if it had been back in the Conference USA days, I might have gone somewhere bigger. But I I, I would have had this feeling that my talent could help propel them to places they hadn't been before. So I'll I'll say Louisville. I, I don't think I could. Okay. Legitimately well, let's, go anywhere else. Let's say fandom aside, where would you end up? Well, let's just say if you were an average kid that didn't grow up a fan of any fan base, where do you think the, would be the best fit for you as a wide receiver, assuming that you had offers everywhere? And, and some four-stars don't get offers everywhere, but besides, besides your fandom to Louisville, where would you go? Where do you think would best uh, showcase your skills? Um, gosh, that's a tough one. Maybe... I don't know. Maybe maybe go play for Mike Leach or somebody like that who just throws the ball a hundred times a game. That would probably be my preference. You'd go up to Washington State. You'd you'd be very coveted up there. They don't get too many super skilled four stars. But I, I get what you're saying. Uh, it, it, I like to answer my own questions sometimes. If I was a really good receiver, 
where would I want to go? It, it, it would be so hard to pass up a place like Alabama with the track record that they have. Uh, it, you know, or a place like that, USC, they have a lot of great receivers, and Alabama, obviously. I don't, I'd want to go to a place where, no, even if my numbers didn't live up to the hype, a coach has a coach has a track record of of making pro. So I think that would be an, an interesting. Uh, I think that's where that would be my choice. And an interesting question for the second one: uh, If you could rank yourself, Yates, using Madden stats, this comes from Brun DMC. What would be your highest ranking and lowest ranking? I, uh, so you, you're familiar with Madden st- statistics, correct? Uh, for the most part, yes. I, I think they're a little different than they were the last time I played Madden a bunch. Uh, I think they're a little more detailed now. Uh, and it's funny that your your previous question and your hypothetical, because if I were to play big-time college football, uh, I would absolutely want to be a receiver. Uh, so... I'll I'll say that my my highest statistic would be, I think there's maybe a spectacular catch rating. Uh, I, I've I've been known to make a, a few big time crazy catches in my flag football <laughs> career, uh, and my my lowest rating. Well, I don't know about my lowest rating, but the the rating that would be lower than I would like it to be um, would probably be. I I don't know if quickness is a rating. I'm I'm. I guess maybe speed-wise I'm reasonably fast because I'm tall and have long legs, but I don't know that I'm terribly quick. So I'll say that would be lower than I would like it to be. I don't know if it would be my lowest. Lowest would probably be like kicking or something like that. Yeah, that that would definitely be mine. To play along, I, I think my greatest Madden one, which this one's kind of boring, but awareness whenever i'm playing a sporting event i'm I'm usually very very aware and just kind of in general i'm I'm usually pretty aware uh, of what's going on and that's i think that would probably be my highest rating which again is really boring my lowest it would certainly be something with kicking um besides that i don't i don't know i mean i'm pretty solid at everything Uh, (laughs) i'm i'm kidding about that uh I, I the the link that he sent with the new Madden rankings, Brun DMC. Uh, one of them was Old Spice Swagger. Uh, the, the chance that that's a player, actually that's actually a rating on Madden. Supposedly. Wow. Supposedly. Uh, Brun DMC is a, he says trucking and stiff arms would be his would be his highest. Uh, lowest would be kicking. Yeah, mine would be lowest. My mine would be kicking. Uh, as well for the lowest, although a spectacular catch is one, by the way. Uh, I I don't, yeah, you know, I, I think kicking's kind of a cheat, but I don't think I, I'd be terrible at any of these. I I don't know. I, I I'm pretty good at throwing a football. I can throw one on the money, but I can't throw one as long as other people. But I I still think I can throw a football longer than your average person. So I really don't know uh, which. Which my biggest weakness would be? Yeah, another Ask Yates Wednesday question. What's your biggest pet peeves or phobias? Uh, phobias. Uh, I'll, I'll go with that route first. Phobias. Um, I have a pretty serious fear of heights, and I am fairly claustrophobic as well. So those, those are. If you if you ever want to just completely just ruin me, I guess put me in a very confined space on the 
precipice of some cliff. <laughs> that sounds awful. I, I, I don't like driving uh, over bridges, over water. For some reason, I don't really care driving over bridges, over land, but water kind of freaks me out a little do, bit. Do you hold your breath as you drive over? Are you one of those? No. No, don't people do that for good luck? I think they might. I, I think there's another thing where you like lift your feet off the floor or something too. I think I remember that from being a kid, but I, I could be wrong. I think I, I do remember that. Rob Blackhawk says that my lowest attribute in Madden or my lowest statistic would be injury prone, which I have broken the same hand twice. Um, I broke it. I broke my femur when I was two, and I've sprained my wrist, and really that's it. And if you think about it, for 23 years. And, I, and I'm fully convinced that my hand broke twice within a year because it wasn't fully healed from the first break. Uh, so I, I think that goes hand in hand, no pun intended. Uh, but I, I, I don't think I'm overly injury, injured, injury, injured prone, injury prone, whatever one it is. I don't think I am, uh, although that was kind of a bad sequence for me. Uh, it, Brun DMC says that, uh, you, you shouldn't probably go to the Space Needle or the St. Louis Arch, Yates. I, I will say, if it's, I've been to the St. Louis Arch. If it's somewhere like that, if it's enclosed, I'm okay. But if it's, if there's, I'll, I'll throw this out as a, I guess, a, an anecdote. We, the wife and I went to a play one time at, I guess it was the Kentucky Center, and we were in the balcony, in the first row of the balcony, and I had, like, Standing up in the first row there really kind of freaked me out. <laughs> so if, if it's enclosed, it's okay. If it's not, and there's not really any sort of barrier, that's when it really gets me. Uh, okay, well, one more story uh, uh, with that, because that's an interesting, that's a, that's a funny one. This one's kind of similar, uh, but I was at a sporting event recently with one of my friends, with a couple friends, and one of our friends just got, had drank way too much, uh, and we were... Our, our seats were the first row on the second level, so we were hanging off. And I actually love those seats more. If I had a choice in a stadium or an arena, I think I'm taking those seats a lot of the time because nobody's in front of you. You get to see plays develop, uh, basketball or football. I'm a big fan of those seats. But he was—he had had too much to drink, and I guess he was hurrying down from the concourse to get to his seats and – tripped and literally started rolling down probably four or five rows of the seats and if there wasn't a barrier there he would have without a doubt fallen over but they had the glass they had the barrier and then like the extended glass in the middle of the aisle and it just made for this moment of his face hitting and like it was slow motion just palming the glass to like where it started to smear as he slowly went down uh, and had it not been for that glass, it could have been a much more serious minute uh, minute of of craziness. But as he had it, it was just absolutely hilarious, and it, it, we make fun of him every day for it. Uh, so, uh, but I don't I don't really have a fear of heights. I just don't like driving over water. I guess in the fear that the bridge would break. How awful that'd be! I was, uh, I was physically uncomfortable listening to that story. Yeah, it was, uh, it, again, in, in hindsight, it was hilarious, but when he was rolling down and the thought, and this was shortly after the the former UK football player fell off the upper deck at Commonwealth Stadium, which was, uh, I mean, a miracle that he's okay. I mean, an absolute miracle that he's okay. This was shortly after that, and I, I, I thought for a second that we could have another situation like that, 
Uh, but as soon as he hit the glass, I was able to laugh, and and I did. I mean, I laughed big time because he's was an idiot, and still to this day is an idiot. Uh, but it, it made for a good story. We're going to head out now. Uh, real, real, real quick before you end the show, uh, okay. I, I wanted to toss this out there. Uh, Rob Blackhawk tweeted in uh, his approval of one of the songs I played going out. And I've, I've been thinking about doing this for a while, so I'll go ahead and use that opportunity to throw it out there. I am very open to taking requests, so if anybody ever has anything they want to hear, just tweet at me during the show, and I'll see what I can do to get that played. I... I <laughs> I used to send Yates music requests every day, uh, but then it just got a little too time-consuming. We had a, a little mishap where there were some cuss words on one of the songs, and it wasn't... Uh, so I, I trust... And I didn't know Yates had fairly good music taste. I, I don't have any major problems with that. Uh, and Rob Blackhawk just likes the Chelsea Dagger song that you played because that's what they play when the Blackhawks score, uh, which... Is actually a pretty cool song and makes for a cool moment after a goal, but that's the only reason he likes it. But a big signing day for UK. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, this is considered just an average to mediocre class for Kentucky, and it's still top 35. I, I think that shows you the, re- the direction UK's football program's moving. Uh, some surprises, and you have to like the confidence from Mark Stoops and the rest of his staff that they're going to go after. They're going to continue to go after the best of the best. They know they'll lose some, uh, but they are feel confident in being able to win some. They did in this class. Probably lost more than they won, but still overall a, a, a solid outing, especially when everything had kind of fallen apart there for a few days. Um, Kentucky gets a win over Georgia. Didn't get to talk about that as much. We'll spend, we've still got the show tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a tough game against Florida coming up. So uh, we'll, we'll regroup and be able to talk about all the basketball stuff later in the week. But thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Country cold wind blows When the city lights still glow To my old Kentucky home My old Kentucky home oh, They say welcome to the 502 Take the Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky do Oak Creek's classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 270 be hitting two Song call it blue, grass song